Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents Pictures, Pictures Powwow. It's, it's hard not to say <laughs> unappreciated masterpieces on Mystery Box. It's a new show. You stuttered, but you did it. <laughs> Stuttering me. P- pictures Powwow. Pictures Powwow. <laughs> the Mystery Masterpieces. So this is our first episode of of this. Owl? New... Who's Owl? Well, I'm Ryan. Oh, you're Ryan, and I'm Bartek. And we are spin Polish, likingly, because we are always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish. Isn't that correct, Bartek? That's right. This is the third show we're doing. Still spitting, still Polish. Exactly right. And this is a show in which uh, we talk about a movie that's been selected either by us or listener's choice. And we uh, just talk about the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie that's the topic of the episode, I suggest that you give it a watch because we are just going to be talking about it in depth. We're just going to go through the... We're just going to have a general movie discussion about whatever's the movie at hand. Bartek, I do believe for this first episode... Oh, you're going to talk about the cyclical uh, nature of this show, I believe. I hope so. I don't know. (laughs) For this first episode, you were given the task yes. of deciding the movie. Mm-hmm. We also decided the title of the show. I mean, we both kind of yes. laughed about it in the update, so we were like, yeah, that's it. I picked something, and then we're like, actually, the other thing's better. The other thing's better. Um, it's got alliteration. Yes. So, Bartek, you chose this movie. What is the movie we're talking about? In this first episode, because uh, when I mentioned the cyclical nature, I meant that we, we have a three-week cycle for this mm-hmm. weekly show. Week one, I pick the film. Week two, Ryan. Week three, listening people's choice. Listening people's choice. We have quite a list. So, so for example, episodes one, four, seven, and all that. That's all me. Yeah. And this is episode one, so it's me. And I picked for this episode, Cannibal the Musical. Cannibal the Musical from 1993. Yes, from 1993. Though I think the remastered versions are listed as 1996, but it's um, 1993 is when it was made. Fair enough. Just like us. Yeah, just like us, we were made then. Well, we were made in 1992, Actually, but born in 1993. Yeah, I, I, I was born in the fifth month, so nine months prior would have been 1992. I could have been made in January, because I'm... September's sep- nine, right? Yeah. Oh, like sep- 9-11, I should have remembered. Se- that's not my birthday, that's my birthday. I promise. know, I know, it's not. So, Bartek, <laughs> we're doing Cannibal the Musical. Yes. You chose this. This is the one that you were like, I want to start this new weekly show by doing... Cannibal the Musical. It's yes. a film that's very close to your heart, I imagine, because mm-hmm. this is the movie you've chosen to colour the character that you are for the listening <laughs> people and for the show that's about to commence. Bartek, what's the history here? What? Why this movie? What is this movie? Just tell us, tell us everything. So for a lot of people in this day and age, you might be familiar with uh, South Park or... Actually, in recent years, probably even Book of Mormon, uh, which was made by Trey Parker and not Book of Mormon, but Matt Stone also worked with him on many of his projects, Mm -hmm. Um, South Park being the main one. But they all got their start in the 90s when they were in university together and they made this film, which they called, I believe, Alfred Packer the Musical. That's right. But they eventually changed it to Cannibal the Musical. Because it's catchier. Yes. Um... So, brief history, Alfred Packer was a man, well, really well-known in Colorado, apparently. That's when yeah. Trey and Matt are from Colorado. Um, the, he w- The first and only man convicted of cannibalism? Yeah, In yeah. Colorado? I believe so, yeah. And, like, he, he did, like, seven years' time, then a reporter got him on parole, and then he became just a well-known dude in Colorado. And, yeah. like, there's a lot of, apparently... Uh, references to him in, like, grill bars and, like, Alfred Packaday at universities where they eat raw meat or something, I think I looked up online. Classy. Um, And basically... Yes, and basically this film was Trey and Matt, I think mainly Trey, working on a film during their spring break, I think it was, at university. Yes, a spring break film. And that always impresses me, like, wow... (laughs) <laughs> They're in university and they made this film. They're like 22, 23 or something like that? Pro- probably, yeah. Uh, so they decided to take this true life story yeah. of uh, a guy, Alfred Packer, and uh, a group of people, they were miners, going uh, uh, across... Miners isn't they were mining, they weren't young. Uh, they 
Well, one of them was young. One of them was, I think, underage. Yeah, he was he, 19. He was horny. Yes, he was so, very horny. Um, and he looked like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> so uh, they were traveling to find some new land. They were going to the Colorado Territory. You know this because they say it a million times. They say the phrase <laughs> Colorado <laughs> Territory a million Just times. Just so that you know at the end it becomes a state. Yeah. Um, basically, and, there's, and basically, there's they a gold get, rush. There's a gold yeah. rush and they get lost and they get misled by Alfred Packer uh, because in this interpretation, he's too busy trying to find his missing horse. His missing horse, which has, which actually has subtle, very subtle. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll get into that. Illusions, uh, and basically everyone dies except for Alfred, and Alfred uh, eats them yes. to survive. And craziness in the journey ensues. But that's but, not how it happened. But that's not how. That's a direct reference to Star, Star Trek. Trek. Star Trek. Uh, the court episode Court Martial. That's a great episode. Like, literally, when that happened I, in the movie, I clapped. I'm like, oh, oh uh, yep, Star Trek reference, and I will mention it's, it in the episode. It was in my notes. Gotta mention the Star it's Trek It's a really reference. good first line, I reckon. Um, So, it's a great opener in the Star Trek episode, too. I'd recommend mm. that episode. But, Bartek, this is the movie, but what about this movie did you decide? We need to talk about this. What's your history with this, man? Yeah, it's... It's a very interesting one because I think I I first watched it when I was in Poland. Mm. Um, and, and generally when I go to Poland, I just stay at my dad's house for a while and just like, it's not so much a vacation where I go to see millions of sites or anything. It's more like live a normal family life in Poland for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and you know when that happens, you know you, your your parent works, so they they go out during the day and you're at home. It's like okay, I'll I'll just. You're at your dad's I'll, place, I'll, just fasten about. I'll find something to do, and at that count how many toilets are in his house, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I believe there were f- three bathrooms, <laughs> or four things to pee in. Um, Does that include a sink? Oh god, that adds like three more <laughs> <laughs> out the windows. It's how many windows? Oh jeez. <laughs> Next <laughs> time I go, um, Does yeah, it but include at, a bathtub. You can pee in that too. Around that time, I discovered that uh, the film company Troma, which makes mm. a lot of independent films, uh, got James Gunn his start. James Gunn, yes. If you like Guardians of the Galaxy, give a thank you to Troma. Yeah, I mean Lloyd Kaufman's in the first one. Yes. Um. Wait, he's in the first Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes, he is. He's in the background as like one of the prisoners in the sequence okay. where they're in prison. So I, yeah. s- I saw it in cinemas, but I didn't know. He's that. there. He's there. Cool, yeah. That's really cool. So so Troma helped eventually pick this up mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of distribute it. Yes, so it you at home, Poland, casually chilling because your dad's got too many toilets. <laughs> and you were like, well, I've, got to, I've got to watch a Troma film in Poland. Is, well, no, that, is that what's that, going on? Around that time, I discovered that there is a Troma YouTube channel and they have a lot of free films on there. So I thought, oh, let's have a look around at things and there was one there called cannibal the musical i'm like oh that sounds interesting i like musicals i'll watch it and i really enjoyed it and at this point i wasn't really familiar with trey and matt i wasn't a south park fan how old were you would you say this was it would have been during the drama degree so i was probably 2012 2013 oh wow okay okay yeah I, later that year, I remember my friends got me into South Park. So I, and I definitely remember, mm. the, like, before that point, I think I watched the Scientology episode once and <laughs> I liked it, but yeah. <laughs> so this is really the kind of the first thing that I saw of them. Like, I really like their style of uh, of comedy. A lot of people would obviously look back on, on this and see, like, oh, later on when they made these movies or when they made South Park, I can see the yeah. inspiration. The progression. Progressions, yeah. But for me, it kind of was a fresh start. Fair enough. So this was a movie that you found just casually just trolling through yeah. Troma's catalogue of movies. That are freely available, yeah. I mean, they've got some great movies, man. Yeah. I mean, Sergeant Kabuki Man. I watched that one, <laughs> yes. But po- in, this one in, and Poultry Geist are probably my top Toxic two. Avenger 4, Citizen Toxie. You've told me about that one. Uh, yeah. Sergeant Kabuki <laughs> Man's like a drunk asshole villainous lech of a guy, and it's great. But it's Sergeant Kabuki Man, the movie, he's like a hero, yeah. and everyone loves him. But uh, All I remember from that film is a monkey. So, I remember way more. <laughs> so, Bartek, Cannibal the Musical, that's your history. My history was, along the years, you gave me a copy, I believe, or you recommended that I should check it out. I, I thought you'd already seen it at that point. I remember I lent it to you because you wanted to hear the commentary track. I, yeah, as people would know, we used to do 
commentary tracks as our podcast and I'm a huge mm. fan of commentary tracks and you hear about legendary ones over the years mm. and that was one of the ones I had heard about but I hadn't actually seen it until it was given to me by you I think I think okay. I was like I've heard of it just never checked it out and you're like oh you should check it out it's good and I think you gave me a copy or you sourced me one and I watched it and I remembered at the time I was like eh, it's okay mm. it's fine it's all right and I haven't watched it since until doing it for this episode. So I watched it last night, and then this morning I was watching the commentary track with it as well, because that is the stuff of Legends, and we'll get into <laughs> that for sure. But this movie, for me, it got better on a second watch. Um, I think one of the things that I'm that my relationship with this movie is I don't have a real strong attachment to Trey and Matt as mm -hmm. creators. I enjoy their stuff. Team America is one of the greatest films ever made. I'll give them that. Uh, one day we'll have to do it on the show. Mm -hmm. I love Team America. But um, South Park's a hit or miss for me. I loved it as a kid like most kids did during that time. It was that ooh kind of show, you know, and, you know, crappy style and all of that and the voices. But over the years, I, I, I've lost touch with South Park. Every now and then I'll be like, oh, I see a few episodes. And it's like, oh, it's still on. But you, you know, you discovered Trey and Matt stuff far later on in this life. This decade, yes. And it's shocking to me because when I think of Trey and Matt stuff, I think of you. You're like the knowledgeable guy out of the people I know who know their stuff. You seem to respect their stuff way more than I do. Like you're, I don't know if you're up to date on South Park, but you're way more up to date on it than I am. Yeah, I, I watch it when it comes out in recent years. But then again, you also didn't see Team America until earlier this year. That's and true. I was always like, you haven't seen Team America? That's like their best stuff. But for me, Trey and Matt, I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with them as creators. I respect them, but also I find them lazy at times. But that's also what I respect about them. It's weird. I have a weird dichotomy with them. And I see this movie, and it's like the prototype of everything that they're going to do. This is a movie that is cheap. Yes. It is made for very little money. The quality of the movie is not good. Like, it's very low quality, but that's the charm of the movie, and it's a first-time thing, and it's a student film, and it's a trauma movie as well later on. So that's a part of the appeal, right? But you have terrible sound. In the first courtroom scene. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did I get a bad copy or what? I was watching on my DVD copy. I'm like, oh, I don't remember this. <laughs> and you get, uh, you know, not great acting. The comedy is kind of off because they didn't know timing mm. yet. They didn't know how to edit timing. But like, these are all things that you can forgive because they're first times. But it is interesting that there are these seeds of things that they will blossom into later on, like the really dumb humor. Yeah. And I don't mean that as a disparaging thing. That's kind of one of the things that I like about Trey and Matt is how dumb their humor is, like how blatantly dumb it is. Like I always remember in South Park, one, yeah, of, yeah, my, yeah. one of my favorite jokes <laughs> the is... Poo -poo? That's one of them, but oh. <laughs> um, the, the episode where they spoof on Pokemon. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and, and shoo! <laughs> that's just so dumb. That is brilliant. And same with Team America with like, he's going down Crapalapa Street, you know, stuff like that. It's so dumb. It's it's brilliant. And I yeah. respect them because in an age where we have people who think their their content is way more intellectual than it needs to be, <coughs> Seth MacFarlane, uh, you know, y you have this dumb humor that thinks it's smart. But then you have Trey and Matt who are doing directly dumb humor in this movie as well. Like, like the guy just keeps coming back to life. Yeah. He's incredibly dumb. But they're doing it with just like such childlike wonderment. Like, yeah. That yeah. was, that was, yeah. And obviously I, on that year where I first watched Cannibal the Musical and later on my friends uh, who have been on our podcast, Nathan Malloy and Stephen Bartlett. Um, they got me into South Park and I think like within a day or two, I started watching, you know, from episode one. And I was really into the first few seasons where it was like, the main idea was, oh, children aren't just, you know, you know, wide-eyed, innocent. Like, they're, yeah, they're they as, can be foul. And they, they can, can be, be foul, they can be a darkness to them, and it was also a fast school kind of comedy. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And I know that my friends always told me, like, oh, as the seasons go on, they start, like, you know, ripping stories from the headlines and, like, satirizing mm. them. But I was like, ah. Oh. The goofiness of the original seasons kind of, I think, is my favourite part of South Park. I agree. Which, yeah, I, agree. I know you agree with that too. Um, now, with Cannibal the Musical, it's a musical. Yes, it is. 
none of the songs are particularly good, <laughs> especially knowing where Trey and Matt end up with music in their career because that's always something that's prevalent in their things. South yeah. Park has a lot of songs. South Park I movies think, are musical. And I think Trey in Book university was he majored in I think music and Japanese was the trivia I read. Yes, he does mention that uh in the commentary track. Alright. Um the music's not particularly good. There's maybe like one or two songs that I actually enjoy as like 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 this is a funny song as well as a good song, mm. and then the rest of them are like crap, but they're funny crap. You know what I mean? Like like they're not something I'll never listen to this on a playlist of of musicals and <laughs> of soundtracks. Uh, like what songs in this do you enjoy? Especially you're a big musical fan. Apparently, you've seen Grease and Grease Two. I've seen both Greases. You've seen Tommy. I've seen Tommy. <laughs> I've I've seen m- multiple Bollywood films, which says enough. Which says because enough. most of them he are hasn't. Musicals. He hasn't seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. That says enough. I have. You have. I have owned it on DVD. Oh, I thought you had seen double, it. It's a double. It's a double. No, it's a double feature with Shock Treatment. Oh, you haven't seen which Shock I haven't Treatment. Now nah, you gotta watch Shock Treatment. I know one song from Shock Treatment. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> the bitching in the kitchen and crying in the bedroom. All so, Bartek, you're a huge musical fan. Grease. What? what the musical Oliver? <laughs> sure, why not? Um, talk about the musical aspects of this movie. Like, what are some you enjoy? What are your feelings about this as a musical? I I quite like all the songs in it. Really, there there are some that I like more than others. Um, I I really love the "That's All I'm Asking For" song. That's always been one. <laughs> Which time? <laughs> well, Ryan, they're, they're they're very different both times. <laughs> the first one is obviously more played straight, but also very funny, and the second one. It's kind of a, I feel, a joke on musicals themselves mm. because there is no energy. In fact, <laughs> it's emphasizing the lack of energy. And it's, it's really It's irony. It's irony. I- irony. So, <laughs> all right. So you like them more. What are some of your, what's like your favorite one or the top favorite? So you got that one. Any others? That one, I mean, the the general sky is blue one is, is really good. <laughs> the heart like a baked potato. <laughs> yeah. Um I I really love how how in in um in that's all I'm asking for there was the part where Miller the the butcher who can't sing, sing. so they just, he couldn't sing in real life. He couldn't sing in real life so they just <laughs> had him talk his way and then everyone gets awkward. Then it just cuts to Trey in this like trance singing his part. It's like he's in a completely different world from like the awkwardness of the other characters. <laughs> he's very and he's very wide-eyed throughout this film. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's beautiful eyes. Um my favorite songs, there's only two that I genuinely love or like. When I, I was say. on top of you? No. 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 <laughs> I like that in the fact of what it is means behind the scenes, mm. but in terms of in the movie, it's pretty good. But genuinely, I liked uh, uh, the reporter's song, mm-hmm. her one. It's a genuinely good song. It's genuinely funny, and it's also a good character song where she changes. Yeah. And the, the hanging song at the that end. That one's a that great one's got ending. great choreography. It's got great singing in it, or feels more. Yeah, uh, it feels the... like that was the first one that they recorded when they had a budget. In and the then credits, they were like, "Oh shit, we we yeah. couldn't do anymore." I noticed in the credits they were like, "Oh yeah, we got the choir from the university." Mm, it got, feels lavish. We got choreography from Leanne, and mm-hmm. yeah, just a lot of a lot of work got put into it. Matt Stone's in drag at one point. Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's that's like the the big aspect. This is a musical, and this is a throwback musical to the kind of Roger and Hammerstein old school musicals in which you have songs with uh, a reprise over and over again but they're slightly different moods you have musical melodies repeated throughout the the movie just to remind you this is the song the opening credits go for ages because it's an overture of all the songs you're going to hear throughout the movie Mm -hmm. which is very roger hammerstein and and all of that so it's that kind of throwback, and that really works well because this story is, you know, from it feels like that's the appropriate story to use for that kind of music. Yeah. So I think the blending of the style of music and the actual story of the true life thing really work well, as well as the comedic fashion. I think the comedy works pretty well throughout the movie. Oh, also, we got to love the Build a Snowman song. <laughs> 17 um, years before Frozen, I believe it was. Frozen Stolen. Frozen stole. Yes. How did it go in Frozen? It was like, do you want to build a snowman? We can make him our best friend. Yeah. It was. It was. Uh, it was cold copywriting. <laughs> um, 
uh, Bartek, this movie's uh, 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 an odd duck of a movie because for me, this movie's not particularly interesting as its own thing. For me, I find it interesting on a on a like a f- uh, removed perspective of seeing it as who's created it and when it was created more so than the actual movie. Like, like I can say that the movie was far more enjoyable knowing what the behind the scenes stuff was like that they made it during spring break and this is their first thing and Trey and Matt will go on to do these bigger better projects Mm -hmm. and the flourishment of later on these jokes will kind of be more refined but also like the fact that they tried to stay accurate to the real life story. Oh yeah, even. like how he's building the the house in the prison, but it's never brought or up. in the real courthouse. But you wouldn't know that, yeah, because we're not from Colorado. <laughs> so like all these really, all like there's this one bit where they're having like this dream dance sequence, <laughs> and at the end of it, he screams Ike for no reason because there's like apparently a TV movie there was a biopic biopic like 13 thing years prior where a guy where he woke up from a dream and <laughs> randomly screamed Ike he's so making fun of the making, other Alfred Packers so movie this movie's more fun on the if you know what's going on in the sphere of the movie's outer outer world in comparison to the real world for me i don't know yeah. what about you oh that's definitely a bonus for me upon re-watching and um you know over the years reading stuff up about it but when i first watched it again it was very blind it was just oh let's watch this mm. and i just really enjoyed the energy of it um you know it, it's it's sort of like um you know we've done films on our other podcasts like thunder pants and <laughs> uh, bubble boy where it's like an adventure film. They're going from A to B, and a along B. the way, they're encountering really weird things, really weird people. Neither th- neither of those movies had a Cyclops. Neither of them had a Cyclops. No, I think I read in a trivia point on IMDb that it was partially based upon the Odyssey. Or something. Oh, do you think when one of the characters is, is reading... Li- literally reading the Odyssey and they bump into a Cyclops that has sheep? Yeah, I think so. Well, it's Bartek. just it's just that you know this is a. This film set a long time ago, and that wasn't a first edition copy, whereas... Which would have been a lot of money, Whereas a film in this decade called Boy Next Door had a first edition one, so it's like, uh, did they mix up which one had which edition? (laughs) Um, No, I don't want to crap all over the movie. This is a really fun movie, but this is a movie that really becomes more fun when you dig into the the behind-the-scenes stuff. I definitely love it more knowing all that stuff, but I loved it upon my first viewing, is the thing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I thought it was a fine first viewing for me. I liked the fact that this does feel like a bunch of friends got a camera and some of the university professors and and just filmed this weird project about a real life story that one of them was probably studying and was like i want to do a story or whatever like you know i like that like i love those types of Mm. things like you know my friends uh, during high school used to make short films and i've shown them to my friends down here in melbourne and it's just like such a joyous experience (laughs) like like, you know, and, and making movies on the fly with no money, budget, or even scripts can be fun. Usually on this show, on, on our podcast, I've criticized movies of modern Hollywood comedy movies of being purely improvisational, throwing structure away or story beats or character beats because of it's funny. This movie falls into that too. I mean, mm. they improvise a lot. You can clearly tell. There's one scene where a guy forgets his line and just walks away. Now, and admittedly, I did not know that until reading about it just this morning. <laughs> right. Uh, I thought that was one of the greatest bits. It's like, that's actually a really smart, clever bit. And then I found out it was improvised. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a pass because it still made me laugh. Mm. But this movie gets past that line of my criticism because it is a first-time movie. These aren't professionals yet. And... You can understand an improvisation can be a great tool to use to help benefit your project, your story. Some of the greatest movies have great improvised moments that are iconic, but I don't appreciate these kind of Will Ferrell movies where it's all just, ah, put him in a scene and and we'll do a million different improvised takes and we'll edit it together in the editing room and make a movie out of it when they're a Hollywood production proper people who know 
Like, that's what I hate. This movie has those elements, but I don't hate it because you've got to respect what it is. Yeah. Now, Bartek, this movie has a lot of characters. Yes, it does. For about, I guess, 75% of it, it is that adventure story where it's six, I think, main people just traveling and you get to know those characters. Did you have a particular favorite character, big or small, minor or <laughs> huge? From that group, the the main group, I really like both Packer and oh God, I actually like a, a lot of them. I really I really like Packer, Bell and Noon, which Packer oh, wow. is the main character. Uh, Bell is the let's build a snowman guy and Noon was the young guy. Yes. Um interesting. My favorite character throughout the for the whole entire movie, it never got better. Was Doom? You're gonna doomed. be doomed, 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 which is actually doomed. Trey Parker uh, dubbing. dubbing over that guy because he was a terrible actor, <laughs> but he was like a real life lookalike of of. His, he was also wide eyed. Yeah, he was. He was my favorite, and then for some reason he he was the voice of a cat throughout the movie. It was like that black cat. I never understood that. Right? Is that an Odyssey reference? I'm I, not getting like it's I just a that black was... cat that's just following him around, and he's got his voice going doom. I think I think it was just a general like oh black cat is bad luck kind of thing. Yeah, but it's I like, like the... following <laughs> on IMDb. Everywhere. On IMDb, I think that cat had like an actor name. It's dead now. Yeah, and it's probably dead. <laughs> probably. It's been a while, Ryan. It's probably. been a little while. It's probably. almost 30 years. Probably. Um, probably. It had a name. It was like, I think it was a really nice name, like re- referencing the fact that it's a black cat, but I can't remember. Doom! I did love that. That was my favorite character, but out of the main crew of, of people, I actually really enjoyed, um, uh, which one was the butcher? Uh, Miller. I enjoyed Miller. Yeah. Because he would be me. Yeah. I'd be Miller. I'd be very pissed off. I'd be very annoyed. You'd be very fat. I'd be fat with a pillow <laughs> belly. <laughs> like I enjoyed him yeah. the most, probably. Um, I, I just like the whole group, because I feel like you get to really know them and they're distinct. Like I sometimes get Swan and Bell a bit mixed up physically because they're both like bearded guys. Oh, I know how to... Um, also, you did get them mixed up. Swan is the one building the snowman. Yeah. You said Bell. Bell's the one that goes crazy, right? Bell's the one that gets gangrene and goes crazy. That's Bell. Swan is the one that builds a snowman. You're right, because is there any more Swan? Like that's what No, here's how up. I distinctly tell them apart. Yeah. Swan looks exactly like filmmaker, writer Joss Whedon. It was very distracting how much <laughs> Swan reminded me of Joss Whedon. I was like, hey, it's Joss Whedon. It's the, it's, yeah. Hey, look, it's everybody's favorite, Joss Whedon. It's mainly the names. I was looking at him and he's like building a snowman and I'm like, man, he's pulling out Buffy right now. Like, he's just sitting there going, it's season four of Buffy. This is going to happen. He look, he reminded me of Joss Whedon. I was like, hey, Joss Whedon's here. That's how I could tell him apart from the other one. But the other one also. It, it's more so the, the na- labeling the names. Like, I could yeah. tell, I could go this whole episode being like, oh, when Bell did this, Bell did that, but it was just like, oh, it's Swan, not Bell. Yeah, I for me, I have a hard time remembering all the names because they didn't. For me, maybe they didn't say them enough, or I can't mm. remember what Matt Stone's character was called. Uh, Humphrey. Humphreys. Yeah, yeah. God damn you, Humphrey. Um, I enjoyed the Butcher. Yeah, he was fun. They were all fun characters. That's the thing. This is a very fun group of people to follow around. They're all very distinct, like you said. They all have conflicts with one another, but you could also understand... They all have ambitions. They all have ambitions. They all have dreams and hopes, but you also understand why they stick with each other throughout the journey. Mm-hmm. Like You actually can see there's bonds between them, but they don't develop it to a, an annoying degree it's just kind of there you know like uh uh noon is probably the most likable one in the group a little sex that's all i'm asking that's for. all he's asking <laughs> for he looks like kermit the frog was it um was it miller that hugged him when he got upset later in the film i Dr- think so yeah uh, I remember they were naked next to each other. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and they didn't like that that he was being. I'm just thinking that Mr. Miller here is a nice, attractive woman, what? tall blonde woman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there were so many great jokes in this in this feature film. Howdy, 
Howdy. That was literally what I was going to say. That's my favorite joke in the movie. I think that one gets funnier every time I watch the film. <laughs> because it's, there's that scene in which, yeah, where it, just, it gets faster with <laughs> the editing of cutting between them saying Very... howdy, hello, this guy saying howdy. Very... I was actually tempted to say howdy, listening people, <laughs> at the beginning. Very early on in the in the adventure portion of the film, which is like, yeah, the middle 70, 80 percent, um, they enter a general store and every single one of them says howdy to the to the proprietor and he says howdy and every time he says howdy it cuts to him. Yeah. It's a pretty great sequence. It's so stupid. It's stupid, yeah. I love it. It's so funny. Can I tell you another stupid sequence I really like? Sure. There's this scene with the, the, the sheriff of what was a Sasquatch or whatever. Oh, Sawatch. Sawatch. And he has that line that he forgets. We'll get into that in a moment. But after that, Paco like walks away and he sees Leanne, the horse that's been disappeared throughout the whole movie. There it is. And they have like this shot of where you see like the like the Leanne's head, right? Yeah. And and he goes, <gasps> Leanne! And he's looking right at her and he goes, Here you go! And, like pats. And then it has a hard cut to Leanne, and on Leanne is the trapper. Yes. And his two trapper mates are standing right there. And he's like, he wouldn't be looking right them. at them. <laughs> he reacts like <gasps> You Travers, <laughs> like it's so <laughs> dumb that, and it's—I don't even think that's an on-purpose joke. I think that's just bad editing, but I just <laughs> loved it. It was just like that's so dumb. It reminds me of—it's a very movie thing. It has to be. It this reminds way. me of one of my friends' short films that they did in high school. The famous one that I always show to people: Turf Wars. Yes, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, Turf Wars. There's a scene where one of my friends, Jack, Jack, he's like. They're in there, you know, it's about two gangs fighting. He's in their base and he's like looking around this corner. He's looking around the corner and then he turns away and looks to the gang and goes, It's clear. And then literally like two seconds later, the reporter's head pops out of the corner he was looking at. And with the way that the geography of the real place works and what we've seen in that movie, it means that my friend Jack would have been looking directly at the this reporter. guy. <laughs> directly at him. And he's like, it's clear. That's how it feels. And yeah. like That's what I loved about this movie is it is the charming. Because later on, Matt and Trey, for me, they've become less charming. Over the years, I I don't know. I have this weird relationship with them. Like I respect them for what they do, but I also have found them a bit annoying and lazy. I feel like I feel like if you watch any creator or creative group for long enough, you you get to the point where you know early on it did feel like they were working out the kinks. Then later on, they're a bit more comfortable with. They're where just they a are. machine, right? Yeah, and it feels a bit more like okay, it's it's on the level. Like uh, I've stopped watching South Park for numerous reasons. I mean, but like one of them is just because, for me, being an Australian from rural Australia, mm. South Park, like on basic primal level of dumb comedy, fun satire, whatever, is good. But I don't give a shit about a lot of the issues they tackle in South Park because they're strictly very American issues. Or like when they reference sports or whatever. Or very much... Let's think about this. We were talking about South Park early days. It was like, you know, fun era. And one of the things I find annoying about Trey and Matt now, and this is like, you know, uh, this doesn't matter to Cannibal the Musical, but this is just something I feel is... They've gone. They've become the elite. You know, they've they're rich now, right? Mm. And a lot of the issues that they have now in their stories are like, like first world problem issues that they tackle with them and their ivory towers. While like in the early days of South Park, it was like more relatable down on the ground but like modern day south park it's like oh no this person's running for president i'm like i don't give a shit yeah it was more like, like kids this... being kids but now president yeah you know that kind of thing like i don't give a shit about that kind of thing i give a shit more about like the dumb stuff like pokemon <laughs> being a craze or whatever but then you know that's that kind of thing but in this movie they're more pure and innocent they've got their their, their, their far like everyone's dad is in this movie basically like the howdy guy is someone's dad in the cast or... <laughs> the the judge's Trey Parker's dad he's the only acting role apparently yes. and he, he, the Randy the Randy Randy from South Park is based on that judge <laughs> based on that judge I mean based on go... that judge's actor yeah because yeah. that judge existed let's that's true because everything he said in the movie dead, apparently was dead dead and that was all your soul. that's all real, real. Words, real yeah. words. 
his yeah. delivery on that line of a god, may God have mercy on your soul. His like, smile. His smile just <laughs> bangs the gavel. Um, what about you? Any particular funny moments other than the howdy moment that stick in your brain? <laughs> howdy. 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 I don't know if you noticed this, Ryan. Mm. Um, the Native Americans <gasps> were... Um, they didn't have a song. That was very, very disappointing. That's actually like my one critique. Fuck, is I actually they never thought give, of that. They didn't give them a song. They gave the fucking Fur Trappers one of the amazing, one of the most amazing songs. What I heard, the Fur Trapper song. But they didn't give the the, the Native Americans a song, which is very disappointing. Yeah. This is the thing. I don't know if you noticed this, Ryan. Um, you might, if you looked at the teepees, you might have noticed the rising sun on them. They were actually Japanese. What? Yeah. You're kidding me. The Native Americans actually spoke Japanese. Are you telling me that the chief was a guy that runs a sushi place that they was near their college and they had him in the movie so that they could get free sushi for basically a lifetime? Because that's apparently what they say, but I'm shocked to hear that. I do remember the true point that he did run a restaurant and they got him. He, apparently he still runs it. Uh, apparently, cool. at least via when the commentary was. Who knows how long ago that was I now. think it was the 13th. 13 years after it was made, so probably, yeah, 2006. So, go there if you want some. Yeah, I love that. The idea that they're clearly Japanese. Everything they're saying is Japanese. Everything they're signing... Like, some the of their signings... have the rising sun. Some yeah. of their signings are, like, we are Japanese, or, like, the name of their tribe is the Japanese. Yeah. Isn't it Japanese? Japanese people. Japanese people. And it's just like, why is this here? <laughs> well, other than, why not? I think they even use, like, a Japanese sword. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's because Trey was studying Japanese, and he was like, I know some Japanese people I could some put Japanese in this exchange movie, students, yeah. and I want to get free sushi. And he wants one of them to say, this movie is stupid. <laughs> yeah, and to sign that uh, Christ is dead or something. Well, that was Matt Stone. Yeah. Oh, that was Matt Stone, right. Um, yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> They're in that fucking camp. <laughs> Learning karate. We are Indians. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, teepees are so dumb. What about when he teaches him karate so that in the second to third act he could use it, but he has to be reminded with just like this circular still image that On doesn't move, yeah. but the guy's voice is saying, don't be a pussy, or whatever it was. I loved, um... <laughs> to remind what... him that he can do karate. When he was uh, when he was training with the, the, the Hongjin, um, it, just before he found out that the trappers have left the camp, he was like trying to copy one of them, like mm, doing his yeah. moves. And the dialogue that the chief was giving was like, "Oh, you're doing a really great job," but Alpaca clearly didn't know what he was doing. No, no, of course not. I that mean, was, yeah. did, did the guy know? That's a question. <laughs> um, no, this movie's an interesting pick, Bartek. I'm like, mm. I'm not shocked that you picked it, but I am a bit like... I've expressed my a, like of it, yeah. This is an interesting movie. Now, we haven't talked about the horse in the room. Yes, we, we've we mentioned Leanne, we've mentioned the trappers, but we haven't gone into the, the subtle subtext that I mentioned earlier. So, the primary drive of Alfred Packer is that he's trustful horse that he's known since childhood and has yes. been his friend, uh, uh, ups and leaves him for a bunch of dirty fur trappers. Uh, that ride her. And, of course, he goes out of his way and basically gets everyone killed looking for this damn horse. Yeah, it's it's strongly implied that uh, the reason why they get lost is because Alpha Pack is going out of his way to find the horse. I mean, when you say implied, you mean certified. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the thing about this movie that makes this interesting is that Leanne is... The horse is a direct reference to Trey Parker's ex-fiancé, who a month before the wedding cheated on him with an acapella singer. Oh, it was an acapella? Oh, I thought it was an accountant. He became an insurance broker, but he was an (laughs) acapella. I listened to the commentary track, dude. It's been years for me. Uh, And, um... It was like they had the wedding all set up, like all the money. Everyone had bought their plane tickets to go to this place. Everything was booked and she cheated on him and he's never let it go. Yeah. Like it, Leanne is also in South Park, right? That's Yes, Cartman's, Cartman's whore ni- mother. His nymphomaniac mum, yes. Yeah, right? Who 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 fucks so many guys she doesn't know who Cartman's dad is. There, yeah, there was a whole big mystery of who his dad is. Like one well, of the few times they did like a double parter, right? Yeah, the end of first season, uh, second episode of second <laughs> season, because the first episode was a troll episode. Yeah, because they're dicks. 
Uh, but like, um, that's interesting, right? Like, like throughout this movie, he has a whole song dedicated to how he loved being on top of her. When I was on top of you. When yeah. I was on top of you. Our friend Reese McKenzie, that's his favorite song from the film. How do you feel about this, right? That like, on, like, let's talk about it realistically, right? I understand that he was very angry and still is at this woman. But not only, he has made basically his entire career or at least half of his career two projects, both like big, of just saying fuck you to this one person. (laughs) How do you feel? Who appears in the film. Yeah, which is... Devastatingly odd. Not not as really a character, but as a dancer, like, right? As yeah, the choreographer and appearing at the front of a choreography. So, how do you feel about <laughs> that? Because it's odd, right? Yeah, I wish I wish I could remember how I felt about it in my initial blind viewing. Like, oh, this he's really obsessed with this horse. Like he has that one line. It's like, no, sh- she's my friend, and friends don't betray each other. In the commentary like track, he's like, I've hate that this that whole movie just yeah. for that one line. I wanted her to be in the cinema to hear that one line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What a bastard. See, for me, I see the humor of it, right? Yeah, of course. In this movie in particular, I see the, the humor of it. This was very recent event for him at the time, right? Yeah. And and it is amusing that, you know, he goes out of his way to, like, make this known. And in the end, the horse gets brutally murdered. You hear it off screen getting yeah. hacked to death, right? It shows how much contempt he has for this woman. But, um... And the commentary track really elevates this because he just gets drunk and like he's like, you know what, you know what she's up to now? She's dating like a manager from Walgreens, <laughs> and I and I am I'm worth eight million dollars. <laughs> whoops, whoops! <laughs> like I guess I'm the idiot. Good luck in your life, sweetheart. Like he's just so angry still, or at least then, you know, when yeah, the commentary I, I know track that... was like thirteen or what is it? How many years later? I know that um in South Park the the mum is depicted sometimes as a sympathetic character and like yeah, yeah. but she's primarily at the early made on, on because she's a whore early on yeah she was the jokes were just like she's a whore and she can't control her son but she like smiles about everything yeah yeah the juxtaposition of she's such a sweetheart but she's a whore yeah right that thing it is interesting but it's also like this is one of my main problems with them as an everlasting creative content people right hmm. i do get like i wonder How do you feel about people like Trey and Matt whose creativity, their creative spark, I at least would say, is uh, frustration, right? Everything that they poke, they poke fun at everything that annoys them and frustrates them. And that's like the backbone of what their uh, stuff is all about, right? Like they don't like religion, we'll do Book of Mormon. Or they don't like Scientology, we'll do this. We don't like this thing, this thing, I don't like Leanne, so I'll make a whole fucking movie about how I don't like her Mm. under the guise of it being a campy musical, right? How do you feel about creators like that or that kind of process? Well, I I know that was some of those things you mentioned, like the the Mormonism. Mormonism, I think I've heard in some other commentaries, is something that Trey Parker's always had a fascination with because they're so nice, but their religion is so Weird. weird to him. Um, but yeah, that's still very condescending, though. Yeah, it's con- <laughs> condescending. Like you said, frustration and anger. There is a lot of like confusion and mm. just like jokiness to it all. Um, it is interesting. I know that um, with what you mentioned, the Chin Pokemon episode of South Park, that was one where they just didn't get it at all. <laughs> so they were just making fun of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, it it is interesting. Like you, you get their take on it. There there might be some sort of truth to them. Like. When when we were growing up, I know for me at least, Pokemon was just like, oh yeah, this is fun. There's so many of them. Um, but their whole episode of South Park was about like the commercial aspect. Of yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. And uh, the militaristically weird commercial aspect <laughs> of it. Yeah. They'll turn you into anime faces. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I find it interesting as a starting off point, but I feel mm. like, and I know that this is not what you should say, but I feel like I wish they would mature. <laughs> but that's not what they should do either. I just, like, for me, it's so tiring with them and certain others where the backbone, the the foundation is frustration the whole time. Like, mm. like it's, after a certain point, you kind of, you get tired of it. Eventually, I stop watching South Park. Yeah. 
but like I also understand the appeal of it. There's they have a lot else a lot more going on, but then also they kind of shoot themselves in the foot at times with being so one track. Like wasn't it like with the South Park of recent years they started doing like season long story arcs. Yeah, they... but they got too focused on their frustration and their annoyance with the politics of the real world that they kind of fucked themselves over of the narrative that they were making Mm, to the point in which now they are like, we will never do one season arc storylines ever. Like we're only going to do episodic TV. We're never going to go back to that because we didn't predict Trump was going to win. Yeah, that was a whole thing they were building up to like, oh, well, Clinton's going to win, so in our narrative she'll be president or whatever. Right. It didn't work out. I think, yeah, last year they said, yeah, we're finally going to do it. There was slight continuity, I think. But I mean, Starbuck always has continuity, but not like... I'm, But I remember in some of the earlier tracks, they, the commentary tracks, they were saying like, oh, every end of every episode there's a reset button and like hmm. there's not much referencing well, previous well, stuff. One character keeps dying and coming back to life. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> and they came up with a law for that, but generally, yeah, it, it, he just does come back. Um, this I think they're still doing a bit of continuity stuff. I'll see how it does this year. Mm. Um, I just find them interesting in that regard. Like looking at this movie as not the movie itself, but more what it represents as a creative force. Like this is a launching off point for them. So, what do you think about? And I know you said that we'll probably do this in the future, but um, their hatred towards terrorists in Team America. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's more the hatred of Americanism in Team America. <laughs> If, yeah, yeah, that's what that's more about. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into that one day. But yeah, like, that's something where they also had hatred for the Hollywood elites in mm. that movie. Like, they have a hatred for lots of things. It's going to be fun. It can be beneficial. But, like, how long has been South Park been on for? Like, what? Oh, since, like, 96? Yeah, so, like, 20-something years, right? Like, 23 years or whatever, right? 97, I think it was, actually, yeah. So it's been a long period of time, and they've grown, and they've grown, and, and they've also shrunk over the years. I, I'm just curious of where they're going to take their creative force, and looking at this movie, it's always fun to think about that, because this is what they started with. They started with musical, and they've done musicals throughout their whole entire career, which is very fascinating to do, because, let's be honest, musicals... Um, are not a mainstream popular thing anymore. Mm. Let's be honest. It wasn't then when they were doing it. And even when it was, there's always going to be the people that just don't like them. It's like, why are they singing? That exactly, kind of I right? My, I think my dad's one of those. And I find yeah. that I respect that they're still keeping true to that in their creative force. And looking mm. at this movie, it, it is one of those things of, well, they started with that and they're still doing that. That's something I admire about this feature film. Less than a decade after this film, they were nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. Exactly. Um, I do want to talk about that drunk guy who plays the sheriff. Yes, yes, now, the Sarwatch guy. I didn't know he was a drunkard until I listened to the commentary track again this morning. And they're like, oh, he, 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 he's, he's a drunk. He's, he's drunk all the time, that guy. Like, <laughs> he's drunk in this scene. He's drunk in that scene. And that line where he's like, uh, you know what they say? And then... You know what they say l- about sunrise? And then long pause... Then walks away, and you can see like because you see the back of Trey Parker's body in that. There's yeah. a point where like he kind of like shakes his head a bit. That's apparently him laughing. Laughing. I thought that was genuinely brilliant. I, and then I find out it's him drunk, and he didn't know what to say. He didn't break character. He didn't break character. Good on him. Um, it reminds me of real life. <laughs> Bartek knows this. I used to have this job consultant when I was unemployed, named Dean. <laughs> And he, you know, he talked like this, Ryan. And he was one of those guys who spoke in basically jargon all the time and was always like, I'm your friend, except for I think poorly of you, you piece of shit. Like, hey, Ryan, you did an arts degree. <laughs> Good on you. But why didn't you do a smart degree? Oh, <laughs> and he'd always say, you know what they say? And then he would move on. <laughs> He never finished what that was, and you never understand what he meant. Like, it would just be a normal conversation, like, Bartek, you're walking down the street, having a good time, you know what they say. The other day, I was walking down the street, and he would go on to something else, he would derail, he would go somewhere, and that's what this reminded me of, and I'm like, I've enjoyed that in real life, so I enjoyed it in this movie. It's probably the highlight joke other than the howdy, (laughs) because that's editing at its max. Um... Anything else you want to touch on with this? 
Um, I guess we haven't talked much about the trappers, but I guess it just relates to they're they're like the they're the metaphor for the the archipelago guy, I guess. Uh, you don't say it. Do you? <laughs> um, yeah, the trappers were really fun. I liked their song and how terribly they sung it. I like the main trapper guy, the little one, Frenchie. Frenchie. Um, yeah. I, I remember when I showed this movie to a group of my friends many years ago. I think one of uh, this is this group with like Malloy and all that. I remember Malloy especially loved the break right through a wall thing where he like <laughs> broke a brick wall with his crotch. Yeah, that was particularly great. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the end. The end. The so they have the big song and dance. Hang the bastard. Hang the bastard, and it's like a real musical for a second. They got a real choir, yeah, with dancing and choreography and cinematography and good audio and the location was, was good too. The location was good. They used the sets and the, the t- ghost town. It wasn't sets. It was like real little place that you can go to. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great way to end it. And then it got really over the top as it goes along, like like the Japanese guys there, and they cut off the trapper's head, and it's like a dummy head, and <laughs> she's there, and it's all ludicrous. And, and I was the like, the crowd was upset when Packer wasn't hung, but then they were satisfied when the head was cut off. Yeah, but they were there for blood. They wanted, yeah. <laughs> uh, I liked that I was genuinely taken back because I forgot the ending. I I forgot that he didn't get executed i forgot that the real life story i didn't you know this is a story i don't partic- i don't really of course, know outside of, of this yeah. so i forgot that this had like a real ending of him having been released later on and he lived on uh, yeah apparently the real poly Pry, yeah saved him somehow yeah so i forgot that so it was a nice genuine like oh okay and then it ends with a jump scare <laughs> a comedy jump scare. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that scene. You want, you want to talk about the scenes in which he eats people? <laughs> yeah. Well, the big build-up was: did Packer actually, you know, cannibalize his group that he was with, or not? Um, and or he, at least murder them. Or at least murder them. Like, I, I guess. I mean, he definitely cannibalized them. Yeah. One of the things we didn't say is that uh, Bell, the actual Bell, not Swan, Bell, the the religious guy of the group. His motivation is that, you know, he wants the gold so he can build a church and you know, it's all for God. It's all for God. All for God. And, uh, of course, he goes crazy yeah, because he's, he's, uh, he's religious and Matt and Trey don't like that. Yeah, his, and they're like, you're dumb. <laughs> his arc is that he gets a bit crazier. You know, his his foot got trapped in a bear trap early on. From the trappers. From the trappers, yeah. See, and, it's a nice payoff there. And there's a point where uh, the other character that I was mixing up with, uh, Swan, actual Swan, um, he's Swan's interesting because throughout the whole film, he's just a really pleasant guy. He's always happy. Yeah. And eventually that becomes too much for for Belle, and Belle kills him. Well, yeah, because he keeps singing about that fucking keeps, snowman. Keeps singing about the snowman. Um, and and there's th- other things that build up, like like Humphreys is annoying Belle. They get into yeah. a bit of a scuffle, and like it goes on and on. But that, on that's and like on. the breaking point with like, oh wow, he crossed a line. So when they're deciding like maybe we should sacrifice someone for real this time, that kind of well, yeah, crosses that... the line for him, and he murders them when Packer's not around. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, because the real life story is like, that's what Packer claimed, and they mm. took it for that, yeah, because but... they believe that. And then it led to this scene where Be- Belle and him are basically like, okay, look, we- we're gonna have to work together with this, you know, if I'm going down, you're going down too, and it leads to a fight where uh, Belle basically becomes Rasputin. He just doesn't die. He does not die after all this a horrible stuff that times. happens to him. He gets him. stabbed in the eye, he gets a fucking cleaver he in the stops, other eye. He like, stops being the character that we knew and just becomes like a non-dying entity. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of loved it. And then he appears at the end, just a jump scare. They also, yeah, and they also did other musical gags in that scene too, where you think he's dead. Trey gets into a song where he says like the first two words, and you never hear the song <laughs> because it keeps getting interrupted. <laughs> we know that really it begins. Good. It begins with like "Who am I?" or something like and that. And then, ah! <laughs> and the movie and ends. The, the movie ends like that, dude. It, it was pretty wonderful. Yeah. I I enjoyed this movie on the second time watching. I would say it's a movie definitely worth. A watch. It's free on YouTube. It's free to find on on their website officially on website their website too. Troma. So I, I'd give it a watch. It, it has a brisk pace. Hmm. Like I was shocked to find it was actually an hour and a half. I thought this was like a seventy-five minute long movie. You yeah, know, like no, feature length. Feature length. Even. 
you know, uh, I actually really enjoyed it upon second watch, and it's easy, far more enjoyable once you've also listened to the commentary track. That is something that it's elevates a great bonus. I've only the material. I've only listened to it once, but I'm definitely going to do it again. To hear them lose their shit and talk about, talk smack about people that are in the movie or yes. worked on the movie and talk smack about each do, other do and remember... talking about who slept with who do, and, and yes. what happened with Leanne in real life. Do you remember who specifically was in the commentary track? Uh, it's obviously Trey and Matt. They've got the guy who plays Noon. Yeah, the young guy. The I, young they guy. had the the, pa- the the trapper who can't sing, right? Uh, well, they all couldn't sing. But the one who especially couldn't, the Yo-Ho one, right? Yeah, yeah, the one picking flowers. They had him. Yeah, uh, I think that was it. I think they maybe had another. Okay. But it's mainly Trey and Matt speaking, and yeah. the others are being dicks <laughs> and getting drunk. And a cat appears. Um, Trey's cat is there for a little bit, meowing. Yeah. From what I recall... You would love it. You love cats. Yeah, I know. I listen the to The musical <laughs> that's going to be coming out later this year, you're going to be front row, center. I don't know. Be any- like, give me that James Corden cat. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Rebel Wilson the- with cat titties? Yes, please. I don't know anything about the source material, so if I watch that, that's going to be my baseline. Well, you don't know about Rum, Tum- Rum Tug Tugger? I know the. You don't know Mr. Mr. Mesistopheles, Mesistopheles, whatever it's called. Mesistopheles. Yeah, I know these famous characters, Bartek. No, all I know about cats is that's the one that everyone makes fun of because it's just people in cat suits dancing. And it sucks, Um, (laughs) Bartek. Anything else you want to discuss about this movie? Um, well, seeing as how this isn't the mystery box, so we're not going to give everything away. We, I think it's just fair to say, you know, this is these are our thoughts on the film. It's a really good film, and we highly recommend it. Yes, I I love this film. It's very close to my heart since the first viewing, um, and obviously all the extra stuff I read about it just makes it a lot more interesting. And you know, we've done a podcast where we've done commentary tracks, mm. where commentary tracks in the more traditional sense are people that made the film and know stuff about it. Whereas we're just uh, the... not always. Sometimes it's uh, Roger Ebert. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, they get like reviewers or whatever. Yeah, um, like with the Tommy sound, uh, Tommy commentary, they had Mark Commode and the director. I know. And Mark for... Commode's just like, why did you put this in? And he goes, it's a nice shot. And he's like, no, it's because you're a weird perv, isn't it? He's like, oh, you got me. I know that with um, I Spit on Your Grave, they got, um, what's that, that, that actor, the southern actor with like a really southern name? Uh... You gotta give me more. <laughs> You gotta give me what, what Burt Reynolds? I don't know. No, no, no. He, he's got like three names, kind of name. Billy uh, D. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I remember for the Anchorman commentary track, Tom Waits just comes in halfway through. He's not even in the movie. He's like, "Hey guys, it's me, Tom Waits, and I'm here." I was like, "Why is he here?" I can't remember his name. He's a Southern actor, though. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. If I find out that he's from the North. If he's a Yankee, my Cyclops okay. eye juice is gonna squirt out everywhere. Well, he's a, he was a Union boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, what I was saying, yeah, when we were doing commentary tracks, we were outsiders. We didn't have people that were you know part of the works. The closest we've got, in fact, is yeah, with uh, when we did Mystery Box, uh, Rise and Fall of Baal. Rise and Fall of Baal. Um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting when there's a lot of information about the behind the scenes, and that's one of the big merits of this film. There's plenty you can find out about it after you've finished watching it. And also, you know, it's the adventure. You feel like you're there because the characters are well-defined, and from their start to their end, there is a change in all of them. And they're filming in the real locations, or all real locations, you know, like, whether yeah. sometimes they're the real locations of the historical events, sometimes they're physical locations of cool places in Colorado. I like the fact that they did that. It takes a lot of effort. It, it reminded me a lot of the first season of Blackadder, which, even <laughs> though I acknowledge isn't the best season, it's one of the ones I'm most fond of, because it has kind of, like, real Real locations. things, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's a recommendation from me, too. I mean, obviously, if you listen to this, you're, you, hopefully you've already watched it. But, yeah, it's a great movie. Like, it is the greatest, but it's a fun little movie that passes time. It's, it's nice and quick. Especially it's nice for and, an amateur film. It's nice and goofy. It has some fun little gore in there, but it's not too offensive. That's the thing, too, I will add. Trey and Matt now are known as kind of like the offense, edgy, offensive, in-your-face. Yeah. Here's a guy pooping. Here's a guy wanking. 
crude humor. This isn't as crude as the stuff is later on. It has some things that you go, okay, fudge packer, haha, but like it's more play on words and mm. and it's not as gratuitous as some of their stuff. So if you're the very, turned away yeah. by them in that regard, this doesn't follow that. This is and, more yeah. of a tame beast. If you watch literally the very first scene of the film, that's like the most violent it gets and that's like a joke kind of yeah. thing. Also, right after the credits, the message is this due to this film's <laughs> graphical nature, it should not have At been watched. At the very by end of the movie, that's yeah. there. That was actually a really good joke. Yeah. The idea of putting the disclaimer there after, like, they shouldn't have watched this. They put it in literally the furthest place where it should have been. Should have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a wrap on Cannibal the Musical. Yes. Worth checking out. Build a snowman, and uh, your heart is like a baby. Oh, we didn't even. You know what? We got we got to redeem ourselves. Have a spadoinkle day. <laughs> we didn't talk about the word at all. <laughs> this movie throughout the whole fucking thing contains the word spadoinkle. And I, my fiance and I watched it last night and all of last night and today we've been saying spadoinkle. It because it's such a great like word. A, it's a made up word that was going to be filled in later with a real yeah. word because they so, couldn't figure out, well, we don't want the word great in. That's really boring. Yeah. The first song of the film, like the first song of the film is, you know, it's a very optimistic song, very happy. It's like, yeah, you're typical it's, Roger Hammerstein. It's a like. uh, oh, we need an adjective that's positive day, and the f- and the word that they used to stand in was spadoinkle. Spadoinkle. And apparently, all of Trey Parker's friends were like, no, that word is amazing. Keep it. Keep it. And then randomly throughout the film, people would say spadoinkle. <laughs> Like, there was a part where Trey Parker trips and just goes, oh, spadoinkle. <laughs> that was spadoinkle. I think someone compliments his oh, that's a very spadoinkle horse or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, the trappers. Uh, yeah, so we had to mention spadoinkle before we wrap this up. If I, I, on our old one, we used to give these rating. I don't think we'll do that probably, but the rating for this, you know, subliminal rating, the the uh, contextual rating is... Uh, it's a spadoinkle. Definitely spadoinkle. It's a spadoinkle. Yes. But this is the first episode of the podcast, and I have to admit, we didn't plan it as much as I thought we would have, so a lot of things are still being worked out, whether we will do ratings or not, but this one definitely deserves a spadoinkle rating. Spadoinkle! So, Bartek. Yes. You chose this movie. I d- oh, yes. yes, that's right. At the end of the episode, we so, talk about what's next, right? It's my choice for uh, a film. Now... You did something very interesting. You chose a film both of us have seen before. Yes. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose a film you... I don't think you have seen. I'm probably sure... Sh- I'm sure that was very tough for you, given my extreme knowledge of many films. Yeah, it was like, how many Saved by the Bell TV movies can I, <laughs> can I skip over? <laughs> right. Again, I think there's one that I haven't seen. <laughs> how many do I skip over? Did you pick Hawaiian style? <laughs> Bartek wanted Saved by the Bell Hawaiian style. No, Bartek, I'm choosing one of my favourite films. Go for it. What is it? Uh, Star Trek in the Darkness? No. We're never. We're not doing that. (laughs) Uh, No, we're not doing that. Maybe one day if I feel I hate myself enough. But I want to choose a Coen Brothers movie. Oh, good. Respected filmmakers. I should see more of those. High quality. You should see more of those. Yeah. Uh, I'm choosing Miller's Crossing. Okay. They, uh gangster movie the old-fashioned 1920s 30s gangster movie so guys listening people at home make sure before next episode to you know go check out miller's crossing it's got gabriel byrne in it albert finney was in it who's recently passed away so it would also be a great great way to kind of look at albert finney's amazing acting work it's got john totoro it's got a lot of coen brothers regulars in there as well so you'll see a steve buscemi and a john you know all, the, all these people will be there uh it's a real good movie i i, I hope that you guys enjoyed hope bartek enjoyed it we'll, i hope i do we'll discuss it uh further in the next episode yeah so do check out miller's crossing it's an interesting movie and it's very fascinating it's my personal favorite coen brothers movie and it's one of my favorite movies so i'm picking that now bartek we have an email 
address. We do. So that the listening people, if they feel like suggesting uh, films for us to cover in the future or feel like uh, commenting on what we've had to say, maybe give us some corrections or further comments on stuff that they they that they personally enjoyed about the movie. How can they email us? What is the address? Yes, you can co- with this show. I, I mentioned at the beginning the th- every three weeks. So this was first week, next week, second week. We'll do a listener's choice one, mm. a listening people choice one. Rather. Yeah, get it right. You um, and please, any way you can contact us with a film, do it. We'll collate it into a list. Uh, if you want to just simply email us a recommendation or email us about anything you want, it would be at spitandpolished at gmail.com. That's spit and polished with an E-D at the end. And if you don't care for emails and just social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, yes. Spit and Polish Presents. You'll find us very easily. Yes, Twitter is Spit Polish Pre. Or you just look it up. We'll you'll you'll find us. So, um, yes, on YouTube. And uh, we're on. We're, we're on all the podcast uh, platforming sites available. Give us a rating and review on whatever ones allow it. It very much helps us along with the show. And of course, spread us around like the disease we are. You know, I know you've mentioned this to me before, but with iTunes, they've got like that whole regional thing. So if you want to see reviews from different regions, you have to like change it in the URL. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, two weeks ago, for the first time, I got rid of the AU, and I was surprised at how many, like, I think there were American yeah. reviews. Yeah, I'm, I'm on So top. many, and I was just blown away, and I was really happy. Yeah, you know, guys, that do day. you want to blow Bartek away? Even the three-star one. Give, that us, was... <laughs> give us a review. Blow him away. Give us a three-star review that says Bartek needs to speak louder. Yeah. <laughs> and that was probably before Give us a three-star review for a movie oh, that, that was that. clearly credited as Bubble Boy from the 2000s with the cast and that, and still ding us for it not being the John Travolta one from the fucking 70s. <laughs> the, the yeah, <laughs> yeah, ding us! Dig, you know, you know, give us a three-star review for that. I've been holding that in for a while, but, like, they, this three-star review on iTunes was like, you know, I thought it was this John Travolta bubble boy, so I was quite surprised when they were talking about Jake Gyllenhaal and that it was from this year, even though it's clearly mentioned at the very beginning and it's in the information of the podcast. Well, that wasn't the same one that and that movie and the, was it? Yeah, and the John Travolta movie isn't even cold, just Bubble Boy. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm complaining, but do <laughs> please give us ratings and reviews because we're hungry sluts for those. Bartek, he wants to be blown away. I'm so sorry that I'm being so open about wanting constructive criticism. And of course, you know, a part of this show too <laughs> is I want to also help promo some other podcasts. The ones oh, that we right. listen to or or ones that we support or supportive of us. So also if you are a cool podcast, you know, preferably, uh, you know, in the same league as us, you know, awesome. Uh, You've got a three-star review on iTunes. Oh, especially, you know, we really would appreciate some Australian podcasts too. Uh, email us the promos or email Email to get in contact with us at the spit and polished at gmail or we find are... us on the social media and get in contact because you know we want to promo other people i'm you know i've I, i'm gonna be you know a promo of a podcast will be played in this episode and you should check them out as well of course let's see alex uh what do you think of jaws which is at 97 percent rotten tomatoes i find it to be anti-shark propaganda what do you feel about the entourage movie which is at a meager 33 percent i think they finally got hollywood right how about it follows 97 percent worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk how do you feel about juno which is at 94 percent that would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker uh how about bewitched at 25 percent best television adaptation ever put to film how do you feel about american hustle the towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. We are, you know, very big time, very popular podcasters, but honestly, when the mics are off, we are just like slobbering slots. We got little dicks. We need a. That's what's happening. We need a shower all the time because we're so dirty. We we appreciate any contact. We're filth, and you're the soap. (laughs) And and just to let you know, Ryan 
is the one that brought up the dick thing, not me. Bartek's got a microscopic dick. That's what he really wanted to say. I've got a microscopic in relation to Jupiter, but in relation to everything <laughs> else, it's very big. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe. I was listening to a podcast on the way here that was making fun of people that talk about penises in podcasts. So Bartek, your penis podcast. <laughs> Until next time, listening people, remember Spadoinkle. Yes.